You know, today's message, I just can't emphasize how much the Lord wants it preached. Last night, I'm sorry, yeah, last night, uh, the Lord spoke to me through a song about it. The exact same passage I'm going to use this morning. And Chris brought the exact same passage this morning, Psalm 8. And uh, I felt in my spirit, the Lord is saying, yes, I want my people to know what is going to be spoken this morning. So, Father, we want to thank you for Jesus this morning. We thank you for your presence. We thank you that you are a God who speaks to his people. And uh, you said your sheep hear your voice, and they will not follow a stranger. So we thank you that this morning your sheep, every single one here this morning, will not listen to a stranger, but will listen to the Holy Spirit and will allow the Holy Spirit to speak to them, that they may hear and do and obey what the Holy Spirit is saying. Because we know that in the last days, you said, if you have an ear, listen to what the Holy Spirit has to say. So we thank you that you are speaking to us this morning. In Jesus' precious name. Amen. You know, God was preparing to do something so incredibly monumental to bring change to the world and to the way mankind relates to God. And in the process he was going to remove sin once and for all, bring in holiness, take out religion, and bring in life. So this was a change that he had purpose to bring and he brought it uh, when he sent Jesus Christ to the earth. And that signified, that signaled the beginning of the end and also the beginning of a new way of life with God, a new relationship with God. As I was saying to someone the other day, I said, I hope you find what you're looking for. Because people are still looking for Jesus. Even Christians are still looking for Jesus. But if Christ is not our sufficiency, then I am very sorry to say that we are the most miserable of all people. Because Christ has got to be our sufficiency. Not sex, not drugs, not alcohol, not relationships, not family, not friends, not money, not any other thing that this world may offer, but Christ. Amen. Amen? And Christ is our sufficiency, and that is why He came. Because He wanted to bring in and usher in a new way of doing things and relating to God that would bring life, not death. So, my question to God is, what is a holy God got to do with a sinful people? What does a holy God got to do with a sinful people? And there's only one answer to that, and that is the love of God. Amen? The love of God. And the love of God is something so powerful that it cannot even be explained. It cannot even be understood except for a little bit, but it can be experienced. 
and it can you can relate to this love because he gives you the capacity to do so so what does a holy god got to do with a sinful people put it another way psalm 8 which was brought this morning let's go there psalm 8 the psalmist asked a question which i asked in a different way what is man that you are mindful of him and that you visit him see it's an intriguing question that uh, the psalmist is putting to god and he wants to know why god would want to interact with us in verse 4 he says what is man that thou art mindful of him and the son of man that thou visitest him indeed what is a holy god got to do with a sinful person we did we find several passages in the bible where the most anointed and most uh, you know prominent person in the nation is none other than the prophet isaiah who goes into the presence of god and he finds himself to be a man of unclean lips and he says to god he says i am a man of unclean lips and i live amongst the people of unclean nature and uh, when jesus walks to the shore and tells peter where to fish and then when he catches this abundance of fish he realizes his sinful nature and he tells the lord don't come near me i'm a sinful man one day i was traveling on a plane going somewhere and i was just looking out the window and this bright light hit the spot just near the window just at the bottom of the window of the plane and it it was it felt like sunlight but it was completely different and i looked at it and it showed me my own sinful nature and my nakedness and i said lord move away from me i'm a sinful man in zechariah chapter 3 verses 1 to 5 we find joshua the high priest being hauled up before god by satan and being accused of something or another and and he is dressed in filthy rags that's to show his uncleanness and satan is accusing him and puffing him and saying to god this man you know he's your high priest but he's he's a dirty rotten scoundrel look at him see the way he's dressed but to every one of these people and to every one of these situations god had an answer and he had a cleansing amen he had a cleansing and he 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 gave them the opportunity to become righteous and holy but every one of them had to repent any of them every one of them had to come to a place of acknowledging repentance is basically starts it starts with an acknowledging of your sinful nature Hallelujah if you do not acknowledge your sinful nature then you are going to be a very very proud person who doesn't 
acknowledge that you are a sinner made righteous and holy by God. See, sin, repentance is not a bad thing. It's in fact a very good thing because once you accept and confess the state of your sin, it releases you into freedom by receiving God's forgiveness and righteousness because He's the only one who can forgive you. He's the only one who can give you righteousness. He's the only one who can give you holiness. So repentance is actually a good thing. It's instituted by God. He says it's the goodness of God that brings you to repentance. It's not you yourself that's coming to repentance, but it's the goodness of God that's drawing you to that repentance. And yes, we are sinful people. We know that. We have sinned and we continue to sin. And it's, prob it's probable that we will sin in the future. But it is an acknowledging it's an understanding that, hey, I have this capacity to sin and I may be sinning and I could be sinning. And so I'm going to the person who can forgive me my sins and I'm going to say to him, I acknowledge my sin, I'm sorry, please forgive me. I'm a sinful person. And then the interaction of God, a holy God with a sinful person takes place. And the blood of Jesus, the one who is the answer of God, washes us clean. Hallelujah. What an answer. What an answer. Who could have imagined that your sin and my sin could be removed, could be obliterated before a holy God who does not tolerate sin, who has nothing to do with sin. You see, the problem in today's world is that most people don't believe there is a God. Most people don't have a need to repent because there is, in their mind, no God. Or if he's there, he's invisible, he's far away, he doesn't care. And that's why all these bad things are happening on the earth and so on and so forth. But to you and to me whose eyes have been opened, we know that there is a God, there is only one God and that he is a holy God who demands perfection no matter whether you are saved or you are unsaved. So confession is a good thing, repentance is a good thing. I see people stoically refusing to change, but they come to church and they mouth Jesus. And there's no self-examination, nor is there any acceptance of conviction by the Holy Spirit of sin in their lives. I'm not talking about false accusations by the devil. I'm not talking about condemnation that you put on yourself because you think that you are so bad or you went astray somewhere there in the past and all this sort of stuff. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about recognizing who you really are by the offices, the good offices of the Holy Spirit who has also given us the word
to look into with a mirror and to recognize, wow, there's something here, there's a spot, there's a wrinkle that needs fixing. And the only way out is to accept that there is a sin and it has to be repented of. And that is God's love. Manifest to us in a way that you cannot even imagine. It's, you don't have to be afraid to go to God and say, Lord, I have sinned. Please forgive me. You don't have to be afraid of that. You have to embrace the fact that God has made a way for you. And but you don't use it as a license to go on sinning, but you use it as an opportunity to defeat the devil, shut the voices of the enemy and your own voices that speak to you and condemn you and say, no, my God has forgiven me. Because I have confessed, because I have, oh, what did you do? You know, how did you do that? He said, by simply confessing. It's an act. It's a deliberate, willful act on part of the human being to go to God and say, I'm sorry. My grandson often comes to me and says, oh, I'm sorry I did this. And I said, don't use it as an excuse to keep doing it. Don't use sorry in a very glib manner. And just say, oh, I'm sorry, you know, and that's it. And he, no. When confession takes place, when recognition of sin takes place, then there is a turning away from that which once held you or is trying to hold you. And you come to the one who can release you and say, Lord, thank you that you have died for me on the cross. I appropriate your victory by confession of sin and my repentance and I'm sorry, please forgive me and the blood of Jesus Christ shall cleanse you. Hallelujah. See, God's love is directed toward the man who he intended to give birth to. This is a strange thing. If his love is directed to the whole world, for God so loved the whole world that he gave his only begotten son, I want to tell you something, that the love of God towards the son is greater. The love of God to the daughter is greater. You have to understand this. It is happening right in front of your own eyes, in your own families. Your love for your sons and your daughters are greater than the love for other sons and other daughters. So where do you get that from? You obviously got it from the Heavenly Father. But this is a strange thing for demons and angels. They, they, they want to look into what God's plan is for mankind and they often peer into what we try to, what we know, because they don't understand what we know about the relationship between a son and a father, a daughter and a father. They don't have that relationship. Demons don't have that relationship. They're cast into outer darkness. They find it a strange thing that God would want to interact with an unholy child and, 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 and a one who's sinning and come to him and say, Look, I'm your father, I'm your 
God, I'm your Lord and I'm here to wash you clean. The demons did not get that opportunity. Once they sinned, they were cast out of heaven into outer darkness forever. They never got a chance to repent. Hallelujah that you and I have a chance to repent. You should be grateful. You should be thankful. You say, oh, why should I repent? I'm so holy. I'm so righteous. You know, I've never done anything wrong. But you haven't allowed the Holy Spirit to convict you. You haven't allowed for one second the Holy Spirit to convict you. There is a difference between a man who's created and the one who's given birth to by God. That too you need to understand. He created the whole world. He created mankind. But when Jesus came, the whole scenario changed. That's what I said. God was getting ready to do something that was completely different to creation. Now he was moving from creation to giving birth, reproduction. Something entirely different. Come under the, the, the label of the banner of procreation and interaction between a holy God and a flesh vessel to make it righteous and spiritual. See, if you don't understand this, you will think that you are still a product of your parents. Though you still are a product of your parents in the flesh, the thing is that you will die. But sons and daughters don't die. They live on forever. That's the difference. And you've got to get to understand this and allow it to get into your conscience, into your consciousness, into your understanding on a daily basis that now you are acting on behalf of your Heavenly Father. You're walking on this earth by the grace and the mercies of your Heavenly Father. You have a father who has given you birth. He chose you, you did not choose him. You went through the methodology of confessing your sin and saying sorry, and please forgive me my sins, and then you got born again. And when you got born again, you became a son or a daughter of the living God, and now you are a born again person who is not duplicated but you have come out of spiritual procreation God doesn't duplicate only the devil does I always said the devil was a Japanese because he was so good at duplication God doesn't duplicate things. He multiplies through procreation all that he has purpose to do in amongst his children. See, therein is the difference between the sons of God and the children of the devil. Now here is something you need to understand. There are children of the devil. And that's a hard one. Because you look at them and they got flesh and blood just like you and me. And that's a hard one. It says, for God so loved the whole world 
that He gave His only begotten Son? Yes, He did. But not everyone accepted that. Not everyone is willing to accept that. And not everyone will accept that. And so they have become the children of the devil. And so they do the works of the devil. They lie, they cheat, they fornicate, they do all the bad things. You know, adultery, they rob, steal, do all of that thing. That war and murder and all of that, that comes from the devil. doesn't come from God. So, we have to understand that there's a difference. Let's go to Luke chapter 1. Luke chapter 1 and verse 35. This is where Gabriel is talking to the angel. Uh, the angel Gabriel is talking to Mary and he's trying to tell her what is going to happen to her. That she's going to give birth. And she's a virgin. She has never had a man. How could she give birth? She asked. And the angel said in verse 35, And the angel answered and said unto her, The Holy Ghost shall come upon you. And the power of the highest shall overshadow you. Therefore also the holy thing which shall be born of you shall be called the Son of God. Wow. Procreation. Spiritual procreation. You don't need a man. You don't need a woman. You don't need anything. You need a confession. You need a repentance. You need an acceptance that you are a sinner that needs the grace and the mercies of God and by faith you receive it and then you become saved and when you are born again you become a child of God. Many come to me and say they are born again but they are not because I can see they do not behave like sons and daughters of God. They behave like the children of the devil or they behave like children of God who are influenced by the devil. And he said, where does this come from? You're a child of God. How come you're lying to me? Because the devil. See, Ananias and Sapphira purposed to give money to Peter, a certain amount from the sale of their land, but the devil lied to them. So he said, why has the devil lied to you to lie to the Holy Spirit? So you die. Children of God. They must have just been born again, taken up in the wave of revival and, and said, okay, we also will contribute to the wealth keeping, uh, upkeeping of everybody. And they brought the money, but they kept back a portion. They lied. Influenced by the devil. And how many Christians today are being influenced by the devil to do the wrong things? I can tell you since I came here seven years ago, I've never seen anything like it. I said, God, what's going on? He said, Son, clean out my house. Clean out my house. I said, they're leaving in their droves. He said, I don't care. Keep preaching righteousness and holiness. Clean out my house. Because there were so many in the church who pretended to be Christians, but they were not Christians. They didn't have the love of God in them for their fellow man. They didn't have the love of God in them for the love of God. They could not obey the first two commandments, but demanded love 
from me and from others and said, no, you must love me because this is your Christian duty. But they themselves could not love. They themselves did not love, did not want to love, but called themselves Christians. I said, how can it be so, Lord? He said, clean out my house. You know what a tough task it is for a pastor to see people leave the church because you preach holiness and righteousness and you speak the truth. You know how tough it is for a pastor? I don't think so. If you had come into my closet, you would have seen it. You would have seen the tears. You would have seen the heartbreak. You would have seen the question to God, why? Why? He says, you repent first, noble. You repent first. Because I'm teaching you how to love the unloved and the unlovable and the one who does not want to be loved. So you repent first because you don't have love. He said, wow, where did this come from? He said, because you're a man of unclean lips. And you need to confess your sin. You may be my servant. You may be my prophet. You may be my preacher and my teacher and whoever you may be. But you're nothing but an unclean person that is covered by the blood of Jesus. So don't ever forget that. And that goes for every single one of you. So don't look at me smuggling. That goes for every single one of you. You know God is very, very desirous in these last days that we become a holy people without spot and wrinkle. And repentance is our way out. Spiritual procreation changes our vile bodies into His glorious body. Changes over night, over years, over days. It's changing. You don't even know it, but it is happening to you. Let's go to the book of Philippians chapter 3. Verse 29. Philippians chapter 3 and verse 29. Oh, I've got it wrong. Have I? Hmm, wrong. Okay, let's have a look at another one. Romans 8.23. And not only they, but ourselves also, which have the first fruits of the Spirit, even we ourselves groan within ourselves, waiting for the adoption to wit the redemption of our body. So here it is, I'm groaning, I'm asking God, please change me into a better man, bring purity into my life. I'm crying out to you, I want to know you, I want to understand you, I want to walk like you, I want to be like you. And the body is crying out. Because the body is a sinful body and the mind is a sinful mind and it needs to get the mind of Christ. It needs to get better at what it is as a Christian. And I'm crying out and the body is crying out and it's growing, groaning to God and saying, please change me and take me from glory to glory. Everybody is crying out. Even the creation is crying out. Even the earth is crying out. 
Let's go to 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 2. For in this we groan earnestly, desiring to be clothed upon with our house which is from heaven. If so be that being clothed, we shall not be found naked. Adam and Eve were gloriously covered by God when he created them, but then they were ingloriously removed and made naked by the devil. So much so they hid when God walked up into the garden that evening. They hid because now they were a sinful people. Before that, they were naked. They didn't even know it. God was interacting with them and they were holy. So that we may not be found naked. Imagine God walks into your room and he says to you, my son, I can see your nakedness. You know how vile you will feel? You will cringe in the corner trying to get away from a holy God. And you say, please, don't come any closer, I will die. But if you repent, if you say sorry, then he is faithful to cleanse you. You see, a lot of Christians don't understand what the word of God teaches about continual cleansing in the blood. So they have theologies and doctrines that talk about once saved, always saved. Or I don't have to repent because I'm already washed clean in the blood of the Lamb. So they don't teach about continual cleansing in the blood of Jesus. The blood of Jesus still avails. It is still speaking in heaven of better things than the blood of Abel. And it is still on earth speaking and witnessing to the Father and to the earth that Jesus died on the cross for all sinners. That if you confess your sin, you shall be saved and you shall be washed clean. They don't understand the blood of Jesus is still working. It's there on the earth for a reason. That's why we say when you come to take communion, it's an opportunity for you to confess your sins, to get yourself right with God. You say, but I don't have any sin. I have not had any sin, you know, for weeks. <laughs> Who are you lying to? Because you already become a liar by saying that. It takes a holy God to reveal what a sinful nature we actually carry within us. One little word of an of anger, one unforgiveness, one bitterness, one resentment, something that we have said or done that should not have been said or done the way the Lord wants it to be said and done, becomes a sin before God. The Holy Spirit will convict you of it and you need to accept that that's what you are doing wrong. Some people carry their nature for years and years and years and years and they never change. They come to, to come to God. They stand at the pulpit and preach. They talk about thousand and one things. But you don't see change in their character. You don't see change in the person. But they can expound the word of God. They can speak it out because they get a hold of this. And there are, some of them are false prophets. 
Some of them are sons and daughters of God who do not see their own fault. Recently, you know, I didn't want to bring this up, but I got to. The number one apologist of the world, Rabbi Zacharias, died recently of cancer. And after he died, he got exposed that this man was a sexual predator. He raped, he fornicated, he did all the bad things. He had two massage parlors, he had thousands of photographs of naked women. And the whole time he was an apologist who spoke about God and defended God to the public. And he was so uh, well known and uh, received that he could have 40,000 people in his meetings. He spoke to governments. He spoke to communist governments. He spoke to the Mormon church. He was so popular. God never once exposed his sin while he was alive. At least to the larger world and the population. None of the Christians knew about it. Maybe his own board knew about it. But God never exposed it. Till after he died. Within weeks of his death, it all got exposed. And thousands and thousands of affidavits about him and his behavior. You know, the Bible says... For whoremongers and fornicators shall not inherit the kingdom of God. Now you can call yourself a, a son of God or a daughter of God. But if you are a whoremonger, if you are a liar, if you are a drunkard, if you are a thief. Right? If you have done any of those things and are doing any of those things. You are not going to inherit the kingdom of God. You can fool anybody you want, but ultimately your judge is God. So we have to come to that place where we have to stop sinning consciously. And when we are sinning unconsciously, the Holy Spirit will tell us. And he will say, come on now. Get your act together. The days are short and the Lord is coming back soon. So continual cleansing by the blood of the Lamb is important. And when the Word speaks to you and you receive the Word, that washes you clean as well. So the blood and the Word with the Spirit work so that you and I can become pure. One day I was in uh, India. And I had a dream and I saw this six-month-old Australian baby floating in the air, so beautiful. It looked like one of my friend's child, the fourth child. And for some reason I had bonded to that baby. And not long after, six months later, maybe I had this dream. And this baby was floating in the air, looking at me, smiling and laughing and I just could not get over how pure this baby was. Absolutely pure. I've never sensed such kind of purity ever in my life. And the Lord said to me later on, you know, I could have died that night. <laughs> I could have said, I said, Lord, don't stop this dream. I'll, I'll just stay here. This is good enough for me. And the Lord said to me, that baby 
is the church I'm sending you to. That's how he sees you and me. Pure. Because of the blood of Jesus. Because his answer to man's sin and man's nature that the devil perpetrated and took away from man, he restored in Jesus. And that's how he sees you. So don't see yourself as something, you know, filthy and dirty until and unless the Holy Spirit shows you that spot or that wrinkle. Then you need to confess. You need to get your act together. You don't worry about the next guy. If you see somebody sitting out there and you say, oh, that guy is saying, hey, watch out, watch out, watch out. Those observations are there for you to understand what is going on and what decisions you have to take concerning that situation if it is in your area of influence. No, rather let the Lord speak to you. You might say, Pastor Noble, why are you talking about all this? I know all this. <laughs> Do you? Why do we then as children live in the world with spiritual weaknesses and death? Why? Why is death working in us? If we know all these things, why isn't life working in us? So we need to understand You see, God's love in the midst of death and sin is His motivation for the world. That's His intention. That's His motivation. God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son. Why? Because He loves us. Simple. Yet, for love to operate effectively, repentance was the remedy. Love is reaching out all the time to that, that beggar out there on the street, to that Muslim, to that Hindu, to that pedophile, to that whatever sinful person out there. No matter how deep their sin is, if they have murdered, God is reaching out to them with His love. He says, I'm drawing you back. Come back to me. But they cannot come to the love because there's a stipulation that you have to accept your fault. You have to accept your sin. When they brought that woman with the, uh, who was taken in adultery to Jesus, he said, if there be no sin in you, then take the first stone and you cast it. He was willing to forgive that woman, though she was in their society one of the worst kind of sinners you can find. What is in today's society the worst kind of sinner that you can find? That you would take a stone and throw it at them and say, you know, oh, what a dirty sinner. You know, I go to church. I'm a Christian. Now, the love of God, the love of God has to flow 
proud of you for that sinner. I'm not saying condone the sin. I'm not saying accept the sin. I'm saying don't defeat that sin with the love of God. Break it down. Destroy it. Pull it down by the word of God. Make it as nothing. So that in that person's life, they can find the fullness of God that was given to you. You see, when John the Baptist came to the earth, he came as a forerunner. What was his message? Not love. His message was not love. His message was repentance. And then he asked the question, he said, Oh, you generation of wipers, who has warned you? Obviously, it wasn't John the Baptist who warned them. <laughs> they were convicted when John began to preach. I went to witness to a man in his late 60s one day in Sri Lanka, and I sat there and I was giving him the gospel along with the other friends that came with me. And uh, he was. He was sitting there and listening. And he was getting very impatient. And finally he said, look, just stop talking. I'm ready to give my life to Jesus. And he was weeping and crying. He said, just bring me to the Lord. People are made ready by the Holy Spirit. When you preach the gospel. Right? And you must know. And you must understand that God loves them and is calling them to repentance. Because in order for them to access love, the love of God, they need to repent. You and I need to repent to access the love of God. Too many times, you know, we've got gifts and talents to tell us, hey, we are loved by God. No, that's wrong, my friends. That's absolutely wrong. In an interpersonal relationship, it's not what I do for my wife that matters. It's how much I love her. She can live with me without money, without security, without food three times a day because of love. Some people want to get married because they, they can gain something from the husband or the husband gets married and can get something from the wife. That's not the basis of marriage. That's not the basis on which God is coming to marry us. He can give us the whole world if he wants. He said, what good is it to you if you lose your soul? Yeah, you gain the whole world. You know how many, how many men of God are falling all over the world after being raised up to such heights? Because they have never looked into their heart to see what is the real situation that is going on. John the Baptist's message was, yeah, you've got your oracles, you've got your temple, you've got your priesthood, you've got all of that. But this is the message of the forerunner. Repent, for the kingdom of God is at hand. And today the kingdom of God is at hand. You better repent. You better sort your life out. You better get into the closet and say, Lord, see if there be any wicked way in me. Instead of going to him and saying how righteous you are. Or telling yourself that. The ongoing message after salvation is 
to move away from dead works. Right? And from sin unto repentance of your current situation so that you can move forward. I was, I've been listening to Corey Ten Boom. I totally recommend you watch and listen to her. Totally recommend it. And she was in prison and she felt hatred. She had come into contact with an evil called hatred because of what the Nazis did to them. But her sister was telling her, no, you should not hate. But hatred was so strong, it was taking over. So she prayed, she repented, she confessed her sin and she got out of it. She came out through the miracle of God and became a minister and was traveling the world preaching the gospel. And some Christians did some bad things to her. And she felt that hatred rise up again. Now this is a woman who is washed clean in the blood of the Lamb, saved, loves God, God loves her, all of that. But there is something in her spirit that is now rising up that is of the evil world, of darkness. People are using darkness to do evil things in this church and outside of this church. And when they're exposed, they run because they're exposed by a holy God. They can't stay. Reprove the works of darkness. So here she was, a great minister of God, traveling the world, saving thousands, but felt this hatred towards those Christians who did a bad thing to her. So when the book that apparently she was going to write came up, the author said to her, you know, I understand that you in the, in the, in the prison you felt hatred and you destroyed, was destroyed. She said, yes. He said, so how come you've got hatred towards these Christians who have done the bad thing to you? She said, no, 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 I have forgiven them. He said, I have you? She said, yes. He said, then why do you have this handwriting of sin against them? Why are you remembering all the bad things that they have done to you? That it's still existent in your heart. Did not God take away the handwriting of ordinances against us and nailed it to the cross? You see, we can have a pile of stuff. And I have, as a pastor, I have a pile of stuff on you. All valid. All ticked off in heaven as your sin. But you know, it puts me in a very difficult position when I approach you because I can't bring up that. I can't use those files and those, you know, long corridors of files that I have against you. I have to use the love of God. And that's the hard part. When you, as a Christian, minister to your wife or your husband or your child or your friend or your workmate or somebody out there on the street is that what you see is the handwriting 
of ordinances against them rather than the love of God. And to switch, to make that paradigm shift from the hatred to the love is the hard part. And that's why you have to repent. And that's why you have to repent. A proud person never confesses their faults or their sins, even if it's staring them in their face, even after conviction. You know, such people cannot be forgiven. If you don't forgive, God will not forgive you. Simple, cut and dry. You say, what? You know, God loves me. I'm a child of God. I'm this, I'm that. Oh, you can be anything you want. But as long as there's that bitterness and that hatred and that unforgiveness and that resentment inside of you, you're operating in the devil's domain. It takes some time for us as sons and daughters of God to come to that place of maturity of saying, I don't care what you say. I don't care what you think. I don't care how much you hurt me. I don't care if you rob me, if you hurt me. You steal, you kill, you destroy. I will still love you. And I will forgive you. You know how many people have been saved like that? I was. Because after all the things that I did against Christ, He said to me, My son, I love you. Why would a holy God have something to do with a sinful man? It's a big question we have to ask and answer today. I say when people don't have the fear of the Lord, you know, they cannot be delivered. I'm dealing with demonized people all the time. Even just recently, the last few, last week I've been dealing with a person who's demonized. They don't want to know. They just want to demand that I do something for them. I say, I can't do anything for you. You need to come to the place where you submit and yield. Then what I say to you will mean something and change you. But if you don't, then you're going to be demonized and you're going to remain in that demonic oppression. And so many, so many people, you know, they are without help. There's no one to help them. They're being demonized in their bedrooms, in their uh, workplaces, in their relatives, wherever they are, they are being demonized. And there's no one to help them. And you and I are called to do that. You and I are called to set them free, to heal the brokenhearted, to open the prison doors, to set the captives free, to, you know, to preach the gospel of good news, that Jesus loves them and that they can be saved. And then to tell them about repentance and the fear of the Lord. And then they change. You see, many Christians start well but don't finish well. They don't finish well. You cannot have the fear of the Lord and knowingly sin. <laughs> this Ravi Zacharias, I can't believe. You know, most people cannot believe what he did. How can you preach the gospel, talk about the fear of the Lord, and then do what you did on a daily basis for... 40 years of your life. And die giving a last message to the world 
about God and about the goodness of God and the mercies of God. When you have not confessed your sin. God's love is great. That he actually, you know, sheds it abroad in our hearts, Romans 5, 5, through the Holy Spirit. He actually puts it into our heart that we can love where we could not love. We can bless where we could not bless, where we were cursing before. One of the secrets you want to know of a good, successful Christian life and abundance is to bless them who curse you. Don't curse them who curse you. Bless them. So how can you do that? Say so they're the worst. They come, they take from us. They do so many bad things. Says no, bless them. Don't curse them. This pastor wanted to take our daughter away from us, and he did so many bad things. And the Lord said, "Shut up, put the phone down, bless him, and don't curse him." There's a real spiritual warfare going on. And the first thing that I had to do was repent of my attitude towards that man of God who was doing the wrong thing. He wasn't doing the right thing. He was doing the wrong thing. It was obvious he was doing the wrong thing. But God said, you keep quiet and bless him, don't curse him. Because that's the principle of God. And when you obey against your will, against those demons that are screaming at you and saying, no, take the baseball back and finish him off. This is my family. You don't touch my family. No matter who you are. You know how many women and children have been raped by their own fathers? Countless numbers. And when they come to Christ, you know what Christ tells them? Forgive your father. Whew, what are you talking about? This man abused me for year after year after year after year from when I was a six-year-old child to when I came, became a teenager and you're telling me to forgive them? He said, yes. Because you cannot be forgiven if you don't forgive. So repent of your attitude in this. For I'm the victim. I know. But for you to become the victim, you have to change your heart. Because I've got miles and piles of stuff that I can use against you, says the Lord. But I'm not using that. Rather, I'm using my love. I'm using the blood. I'm using the word to keep you safe from the devil. I said, God, what are you talking about? He said, no, this is my love. And I've put it into your heart. Can you use it? Instead of trying to use your brains, instead of trying to use your anger and your whatever, so for righteousness to operate, we must repent. Right? We must repent. But Christians today don't want to repent because they don't think they're ever wrong. But they're so right. They're so right. Somebody behaves rudely. Somebody says something wrong. You know, somebody's got a bad character. Somebody never changes no matter what you say to them. You know, they're, they're piling up stuff. 
that is hard to release them from because they don't change they don't look into their own hearts to see where they are at the bible says grow in grace ask yourself on a scale of 1 to 10 10 being the best where you are on the grace scale where are you on the grace scale to repent of things that are unrighteous is a lifestyle with christians because it orders and resets our lives for the better so when i go to bed at night if my conscience is clear before god that's all that matters because when i die and if i die in my bed i'm good with god you cannot go to bed with your conscience defiled and the blood of jesus not having any effect on it that you still got hatred you still got resentment you still got some unforgiveness you still you know gnashing your teeth at somebody if you boil it down it's all about people on earth and god in heaven you have the power to change your circumstances you have the power to change your home your life your wife your husband you have the power because now a new man is operating a new man is operating some people say oh, i never done anything wrong but have you thought something wrong have you said something wrong you might not have done anything oh that that's not don't worry about that pastor you're making a big deal about it i just said a bad word the other day and you know it doesn't matter i just cursed somebody the other day and it doesn't matter one day you know i my best friend from india we got into business together but I told the guy you know you should not be drinking you're a christian you should not be drinking don't drink and don't get involved with me with your drinks because you'll expose yourself to these traders who are very very vicious people and he said yeah yeah don't worry i'm i've got a covenant and then one day i was coming back on the bike the motorbike with him and he was sitting at the back and i could smell alcohol and i got so angry with him that i cursed him I cursed. I said I curse you. You know that guy's life went downhill. From that day, then almost the same day or the next day the cops took his bike away from him. His life went downhill because he never changed and I had cursed him and he never changed. He never changed. The last I heard of him he went blind. I repented of my act of cursing a person like that. And I'll tell you what it has come to the tip of my tongue so many times. Because I know the power that I have. I know the power that I have. That I can curse you and you will be cursed. I can bless you and you will be blessed. So which one are you going to choose? 
Because Jesus chose the blessing. He didn't choose the cursing. He took the curses upon himself so that you can be blessed. So now you can be a blessing. That's what he told Abraham. You will be a blessing. So bless instead of cursing. Someone is shouting at you, screaming at you, you know, gnashing their teeth at you. You say, I bless you in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth. And you see the power work in that situation. Because that's the new man. Let's finish up in reading Ephesians chapter 4. Seventeen through to twenty-three. This I say, therefore, and testify in the Lord that you henceforth walk not as other Gentiles walk in the vanity of their mind, having the understanding darkened, being alienated from the life of God. See, alienated from the life of God through the ignorance that is in them because of the blindness of their hearts, who, being past feelings, have given themselves over unto lasciviousness. To work all uncleanness with greediness. But you have not so learned Christ. If so be that you have heard him. And have been taught by him. As the truth is in Jesus. That you put off. Okay. This is you. Put off concerning the former conversation. That is the confession. The old man. Which is corrupt according to the deceitful lust. And be renewed in the spirit of your mind. That you put on the new man which after God is created in righteousness and true holiness. Wherefore putting away lying, speaking every man truth with his neighbor. For we are members one of another. Be ye angry and sin not. Let not the sun go down upon your wrath. Neither give place to the devil. Let him that stole steal no more. But rather let him labor, worketh, labor working with his hands the things which is good that he may give. Have to give to him that needeth. Let no corrupt communication produce, pro, proceed out of your mouth, but that which is good to the use of edifying, that it may minister grace unto the hearers. And grieve not the Holy Spirit of God, whereby you are sealed unto the day of redemption. Let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and evil speaking be put away from you with all malice, and be ye kind one to another, tender-hearted, forgiving one another, even as God for Christ's sake hath forgiven you. Oh. Here are some instructions to take home and do something about. And as Corey Ten Boom once said, she said, after this thief who used to rob 20 watches a week became a Christian, he said, now that I have become a Christian, I won't rob 20 watches a week, I'll just rob 5 watches a week. And that's what we do. I will allow certain sins. But now that I'm a Christian, I won't allow some of the major sins. But I will allow some of the other sins. I have a right to become angry. I have a right to become unforgiving. I have a right to be resentful. No, you're not. He's talking about a clean slate across the board. I can tell you hundreds and hundreds of stories, but we'll be here for another few years. So God bless you tonight, this morning, brother. And, and, you know, may God speak to your heart. Go home. Let the Holy Spirit speak to you. Show you how to change your situation. Whether it's in the family, in the workplace, in some other situation, even in your own heart. 
It can be changed. I can tell you, it is so powerful. It is so supernatural. It is full of the love of God that He can take you and change you to a new person you have never been before, even after you have been born again. Hallelujah. Let's pray. Let's stand up.